We're going to continue uh, what we believe, and we're, we're working our way kind of through the Baptist faith and message, and, and where we find ourselves this morning is education. We're going to talk about education. Now, what do you think of when you think of the word education? You think school, right? We just automatically think school, but that's not what this is talking about. So if you are hoping that I'm going to tell you whether to, to send your kids to Christian school or to homeschool or to send them to public school... I'm sorry, that's not my decision. You wanted to be a parent, and, that's, and you get to make the hard choices. I think that depends on the kid. I think it depends on the parent. I think uh, there's, there's so many things at, at, that, uh, that play into that decision that I'm not going to make it here for you today. And that's actually not what this article is about anyway. This is about the difference between godly wisdom and and. Uh, wisdom from here, earthly wisdom. So we're going to be in James chapter 3, if you want to turn there. James chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 13 of James chapter 3. Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct... He should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without pretense. And the fruit of, the, of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. So now let's read the Baptist Faith and Message article. It's Article 12, if you're following along in your own little book. It will be up here behind me, but it's really small print. So, so Article 12, Education. Christianity is the faith of enlightenment and intelligence. In Jesus Christ abide all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All sound learning is, therefore, a part of our Christian heritage. The new birth opens all human faculties and creates a thirst for knowledge. Moreover, the cause of education in the, in the kingdom of Christ is coordinate with the causes of mission and general benevolence, and should receive, along with these, liberal support of the churches. An adequate system of Christian education is necessary to a complete spiritual program for Christ's people. In Christian education, there should be a proper balance between academic freedom and academic responsibility. Freedom in any orderly relationship of human life is always limited and never absolute. The freedom of a teacher in his Christian school, college, or seminary is limited by the preeminence of Jesus Christ, by the authoritative nature of the scriptures, and by the distant purpose for which the school exists. So let, this, this mentions wisdom and knowledge, so let's talk about the differences between wisdom and knowledge. A good, a good uh, working definition of wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. The soundness of an action with regard to application of experience, knowledge, 
and good judgment. So knowledge then is facts, information, or skills acquired through education. So you can kind of see, though it's, it's certainly more complicated than this, to make it simple, wisdom is knowledge applied. Wisdom is when you take knowledge and make it part of your life, when it, when it changes things. Now, quite often, the way we get wisdom is, is by exercising bad judgment. That's, that's how we learn the best, isn't it? We usually learn the best by doing the wrong thing and then finding out what the, what the consequences of the wrong thing are before we actually have wisdom, before we actually have good judgment. So we're going to work with the, with the definition that wisdom is knowledge applied to life. Have you ever known somebody that, that was incredibly intelligent but, but couldn't, didn't have any common sense? They could design a door, but they couldn't figure out how to open one. We know people like that. They have knowledge. They don't have wisdom. That's, that's kind of the definition that I'm working for, toward. So... So let's talk about godly wisdom from these, uh, from these verses. Verse 13 says, it causes good conduct. Now this actually makes a lot of sense. God is good, and therefore his wisdom is good. And so if we are following his wisdom, we will be doing good. This all makes sense, right? Wisdom, godly wisdom, causes good conduct. It, it leads us to do the right thing every time. It also says, wisdom causes gentleness. Now, this one's a little tougher to understand because we don't often think, especially in our society today, we don't think gentleness is wisdom, but it is. It, it, it clearly is. It says so several times in this passage. Wisdom causes gentleness. Think of the, the life of Jesus. He was gentle. He was humble. And so we see his wisdom. We see godly wisdom at work in Christ. Verse 17 also tells us wisdom is, the wisdom of God is pure. Now, we've talked about this a little bit as we've gone through this study. We, everything we do is tainted by sin. We have a selfish nature that, that just we can't completely ignore every time. And so our decisions are not pure. They are tainted by sin. God's decisions, God's wisdom is never tainted by sin. It's completely untainted and therefore it is pure. It is absolutely pure. God's wisdom leads to purity Verse 17 says that, that the wisdom of God is peace-loving. Again, we don't think of it this way, but God's wisdom causes peace because God is, after all, the God of reconciliation. He reconciled us to himself through Christ. As a matter of fact, he sent his son to die on a cross so that we could be reconciled, right? So he's the, he's the God of reconciliation. He is the God of, of bringing people together. He is not the God that separates. So his, his wisdom is peace-loving. 
It also says that the wisdom of God is compliant. Now, compliant isn't a word we like to use because we don't want to be compliant, right? But, But what it's actually talking about is it's easy to understand and it's easy to obey. God's wisdom is not beyond us. You know, there are so many, uh, so many religious systems that are all about seeking wisdom and going to great lengths to find it. We have it right here. You want to seek? Open this. And you find God's wisdom. It is actually easy to find and easy to obey. So God's wisdom is compliant. God's wisdom is also full of mercy and good fruits. You know, when, when, have you ever had somebody that, that talks down to you, that acts as if they know so much more than you that, that they're just talking down to you like that, that you're just annoying them asking questions? That's not who God is. Our God is full of mercy and good fruits. He, he, he gives us his wisdom freely. As a matter of fact, James 1.5 says if you, if you want wisdom, ask for it, and he will give it. We can always go to God for wisdom. He, is, he does not look down upon us. He, he gives us wisdom in, in mercy and in good fruits. You know, only God can humble us without humiliating us. Only God can do that. And he does that through his wisdom. It also says that, that the wisdom of God is unwavering. It does not change. And it helps you not to waver. It helps you to stand firm. There's been so much over the course of the last year and a half. And so many people have, have decided that, that science is the, is the answer to the ultimate question. But what have we seen of science over the last year? Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. Wear two masks. Science is constantly changing. It's constantly wavering. It's it's like politics, frankly. It's always changing. It's always shifting. God's wisdom is unwavering. And so if you want to be unwavering, if you don't want to be blown about by the winds of change in our society, learn the wisdom of God. And you will be unwavering. You will be steady and firm. It also says... That, that the wisdom of God is without pretense. Now, what this actually means is, this word actually means genuine or authentic or, or, or serious. It, it means something that is, authentic is probably the best word. Do you know people that are just truly authentic people? They know the wisdom of God. Because the wisdom of God is authentic. It matters. It matters to everyday life. And the more, more of the wisdom of God you know, the more authentic you become. Because God's, uh, the, maybe the greatest truth about God's wisdom is that it is transformational. It doesn't just help you make good decisions. It changes who you are. It changes you foundationally. It completely transforms you. You have heard me say this before. But we, when we encounter the Word of God, we encounter God. This is an encounter with God when we open this. And you cannot be unchanged from an encounter with God. 
You cannot. You are either softened or hardened. You are either wiser or more of a fool. But you cannot be unchanged when you encounter the Word of God. The wisdom of God causes us to change. It causes us to transform. One of my favorite examples of that is Isaiah 55. And, and let me just read this to you. You've probably heard the first part of this, but I, I want to pick up on the second part. Isaiah 55, starting in verse 10. For just as rain and snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout and provide seed to sow and food to eat, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. That's usually where we stop. But let me go on. You will indeed go out with joy and be peacefully guided. The mountains and the hills will break into singing before you, and all of the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, a cypress will come up. And instead of a briar, a myrtle will come up. This will stand as a monument for the Lord, an everlasting sign that will not be destroyed. Do you see what the Word of God does? It makes something that was not there before. It makes a thorn bush into a cypress tree. It makes a briar into a myrtle. It makes you into something you've never been before. The Word of God transforms you. The wisdom of God transforms us. And that's probably the most important part of the, of the wisdom of God is it transforms who you are. And so you become peaceful, peace-loving. You become gentle. You become pure. You become unwavering. You, you become these things because you know the wisdom of God and have applied it to your life. Be transformed by the wisdom of God. So then let's, let's now look at earthly wisdom. We see this every day on the news, don't we? This is easy to pick out. Verse 14 says, bitter envy and selfish ambition. That's what earthly wisdom is about. Watch the news, you see this. We, we see bitter envy and selfish ambition right now seems to be running our entire country. We need the wisdom of God. We need the wisdom of God in our, in our society. And then it says, verse 16 says that the fruit of this, bitter envy and selfish ambition, is disorder and every evil practice. I will say again, watch the news tonight at 6, and you'll get everything, you'll, you'll get everything you need to know about earthly wisdom. But then it goes on, verse 15 says it is unspiritual and demonic. Have you, have you seen some of what's going on? You watch the news. Have you seen some of what's going on? Can you see the spiritual battle at, 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 that, that's happening right now in our country? Can you see it? We can see the unspiritual and demonic force that is, that is running things right now. We need godly wisdom. We need to have it. And then we need to be about showing it to others. Scripture has more in it than John 3.16. Because coming to Christ is not the end of it. 
It is, it is part of the journey. You have a spiritual journey that brings you to Christ, but then there is becoming like Christ. That's where the wisdom of God comes in. That's where we need to open the word and see and hear and be transformed. Where we need to encounter God and be transformed by it. We need godly wisdom to live in the times we have right now. We need it perhaps more than ever right now. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand. I don't want you to think that I'm telling you that, that, that we learn our way to heaven. No, salvation's handled at the cross. But that's not the end of the Bible, is it? We have the, the rest of the Bible telling us what that means, telling us how to apply the cross to today, how to apply the, the love of God, the mercy of God, the, the forgiveness of God, how to apply his purity, his wisdom to our life every day. It's right here. It's right here. It opens like this. Dive in and be transformed. Be transformed by the word of God. Become pure and peace-loving and gentle and unwavering. Become the wisdom of God. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for a moment. You need to make a commitment between you and God this morning to be transformed by his wisdom. You need to make a commitment to, to, to be diving in so that you hear and see and encounter God and become like his wisdom. Make the, will you make that commitment today between you and God? Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you, Father, that, that we can open and hear from you and encounter you and know what is right and what is wrong. Know what is good, what is evil. Know what you would have us do today. Remind us every day to seek you first so that we can live in godly wisdom. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.